Welcome to I Spit On Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Sprinters of Horror. This is a time once a month where Jess puts down her knitting needles and Kelly steps away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. In our first episode, we are going to introduce you to our horrific hosts, talk about our project, Spinsters of Horror, the history of women in horror, and why we both love it. So sit back, pick your poison, and listen on, if you dare. Okay, so to get this podcast started off right, we're going to first discuss our personal journeys, which brought us to this point about talking horror and being spinsters. I always seem to find talking about myself the hardest thing to do, so here it goes. I've been a closet horror fan since I was a child, and it all started with my mother when she signed me up for a scholastic horror book club where monthly I would get a spooky child-friendly magazine, a toy, pencils, erasers, you know, all that fun stuff that helped children learn to read. But I, I love to spook myself with stories of ghosts, vampires, witches, and monsters, and I grew up always being told I was a witch, so not surprising years later that I would become one. But from there, my love of the horror genre grew first and foremost through literature. I could not read enough as a child in any book I could get from R.L. Stein, Goosebumps, or Fear Street, or Christopher Pike, I would devour in days. As I transitioned into my teenage years, I started to read Anne Rice and other supernatural romance novels. My love of the genre came from my obsession with the supernatural. You can still find me today scaring myself by watching YouTube videos or reading articles about haunting or spectral sightings. Outside of ghosts, I also became obsessed with vampire lore. What teenage girl on the verge of awakening doesn't? <laughs> it started with me. It started first for me when I would read and yes, read novelizations of Joss Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Christy Swanson. I loved it, and from there, I would read and watch anything to do with vampires except for Twilight. Fuck that shit. I'm very picky about my vampire lore and media. So yes, it was horror literature that got me into the genre from Mary Shelley, Shirley Jackson, H.P. Lovecraft in my 20s and into my early 30s. However, I thought to myself, so Jessica, you can read horror books, graphic novels, and from time to time watch a television show that scares the crap out of you. What is stopping you from actually watching these films that your best friend Kelly is always raving about and trying to get you to watch? It was time. My boyfriend at the time was a horror nut. However, he was into the stuff that was like I was way too junior for, like things like Rob Zombie and Takashi Miike. At my yearly visits with Kelly, and on Halloween nights, I would watch one horror film of my choice to ease myself into the genre. This started with B classics such as Evil Dead and 80s and 90s classics like Nightmare on Elm Street, Candyman, and many more. Thus, my journey deeper into the horror genre began. If you've been following me on Twitter, you would know that a year ago I was a co-host to another podcast, The Dark Spectrum, where my horror indoctrination was ramped up and I began to watch a variety of films from across the genre. I was also inspired by listening to other horror podcasts such as The Faculty of Horror and Women in Caskets, and read articles that not only explore the genre of horror for enjoyment's sake, but also for its social commentary. That is when it hit me. I finally found out that the genre was more about blood and guts, but imaginative in its exploration of humanity. So here I am today. I've been talking publicly about the horror genre for over a year now, and I continue to do so. So that is a short history of my horror journey, and I'm sure you'll learn more about me along the way. So that was Jess, or as we're starting to call her, spinster number one, and I am Kelly, spinster number two. So I wanted to mention that it's been quite amazing and fascinating to see our spinster number one go through her horror journey in the last year, year and a half. She's become such a huge fan of something that I really, really love and enjoy. So it's been 
a new bonding experience for us. So it's been quite, quite wonderful. I remember very fondly, Jess came over and one of her yearly visits to Toronto and her and her boyfriend at the time that she spoke of, uh, we wanted to watch Candyman. Oh my God. <laughs> so her, her boyfriend and I started watching Candyman and her boyfriend and I both fell asleep, leaving Jess absolutely alone to watch Candyman for the first time in my very dark basement apartment. No lights on, obviously. And I was terrified because when I would turn and look at both of them, they were both fucking asleep in like the most scariest parts of the film. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> For as long as I can remember, I've definitely been a horror fan. And like Jess, I started reading a lot of horror novels as a kid, which definitely was initiated by R.L. Stein's The Fear Street series. I would find myself going to the local used bookstore and buying the $1 paperbacks constantly. Buy a bunch, read them, take them back, get more. I could always be found reading while all the other kids were playing outside. Once I got a little bit older, I started having these epic sleepovers with my girlfriends where I would rent six horror movies and we'd pull all-nighters watching them. We would watch Pet Cemetery, Witchboard, The Exorcist, Hellraiser, and so much more. I absolutely loved the cover art so much and would often even just pick movies based on that alone. I have been devouring all horror movies that I can since then and I definitely have a movie collection that continues to grow and grow and grow. I have fond memories of the first time I watched The Exorcist or Candyman. There might have been some screaming and tears involved. My favorite board game is Nightmare which I played intensely when it came out in the early 90s. With those there were definitely many many sleepless nights. I don't read as much horror as I used to, but definitely in the past four to five years, I have been exploring horror in other mediums like video games, comics, and even board games. It's a genre that lends itself so incredibly well across all mediums, so there's a lot to offer for everyone. I have been fully immersed in horror for essentially all of my life, and now it has gone to the next level with my two projects, Spinsters of Horror and a newly launched project called Sin and Tonic. Cinetonic is a horror vlog with my friend Allie where we watch low-budget movies, create and drink themed cocktails, and discuss our love of horror. There will be guests, games, arts and crafts, and more. It's all about getting drunk and spooky. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I am very looking forward to when you guys get that launched and I can watch you guys get drunk and spooky together. <laughs> I, I may do that with you guys in my living room by myself with my cats. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, let's talk about The Sprinters of Horror. This project that just kind of, well, it was born out of a Jessica's frustration of the project that she was with, not going the way she wanted to, but also realizing that here she was with her best friend of like 17 years, who was also a huge horror fanatic and someone who has been actually passively educating me in the horror genre for many, many years. And I was like, we need to start something. So when I fully started to embrace my love of the horror genre and see it as more than just blood and guts and another form of social commentary that had no boundaries, I was inspired by the projects and activities of others in the horror community, as they were all worked to not only share what they love about the genre, but push against the misconceptions about the genre, which is something I'm also very passionate about. For once, I wanted to break out of my hermit mode and become involved in the community that I was finding was so welcoming. For me, I started my podcasting adventure with a dark spectrum and adventuring more into the horror genre. As I watched more movies, I got more involved in the community and wanted to do more for the community. After a year of the dark spectrum and as creative differences surfaced, decided to move on to a new project. 
Hence, when I approached Kelly to do a project together that was in more in alignment with what we both loved about the horror genre, the spinsters were born. I was beyond thrilled when Jess proposed us working together on a horror project. Also surprised, but I was super excited about it. It was not even something I had considered prior to that. I have been enjoying horror within the confines of my own personal space, so it's really exciting for me to branch out into the public domain. I have been doing that a little bit with my Instagram account with doing very many horror movie reviews, so this is definitely taking my love of horror onto into its next level. Last summer, I picked up issue number 10 of Rue Morgue's library series entitled Women With Guts horror heroines in film, TV, and print. And not only inspired my very first tattoo, but also to look deeper into the genre through a more feminist lens. It also inspired me to celebrate myself as a horror fan and even a female horror fan. I am very, very excited about this project. Women love horror and it's long overdue to show the world that and what we think. I will be doing monthly reviews, which you can find on the website, along with every other month, a Spinster's horrific monthly pick. You'll also find me on all of our social media outlets. You'll also find me on the social media as well. <laughs> Just... I'm just a little more quieter than Kelly is when it comes to that stuff. But on top of that too, on the website, you'll also see my monthly blog post about the topics that I'm very passionate about in horror and my own horror journey. So the big question, Kelly, why horror? Because why the hell not? <laughs> so why do I love horror? I took some time to really think about this. There's the, like, the initial gut reaction and then really just thought about it since it's been a part of my life for so long. There are so many redeeming qualities in the horror genre. So many. Overall though, my love of horror comes down to the creativity and imagination that is entrenched in all subgenres of horror. There is a no-holds-bar type element to horror that I believe is only slightly mirrored by perhaps sci-fi, but it's grim and dark and I definitely relate to that much more and I enjoy it. Horror isn't afraid to break taboos and broach all subject matter, despite how controversial. The definition of horror is an intense feeling of fear, shock, or disgust. I love to be scared or disturbed by horror, and I love that it does that to others. Hence the Candyman experience, though I was half asleep during it. Horror also provides a place for writers and directors to express their own personal fears or experiences in a very safe environment. Horror is honest, and I respect it very, very much. And for me, one of the reasons why I love horror is it's just creatively, it's more interesting. I've always been a fan of fantasy and sci-fi genres, but I found myself drawn to horror despite my love-hate relationship with being scared. The plots, the characters, the atmosphere, I am all about atmosphere when it comes to horror movies, that is for sure. They're always more enticing and they're always more intriguing. And I guess it also too answers to that question of sometimes we like that adrenaline of fear that we get when we watch a, a scary movie. So even though I get scared of watching horror movies, when I do get over that fear, I started to realize that many of the films that I was seeing had deeper meanings or comments about something very particular in society. For example, one of them is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. When I first watched it, I'm just thinking like, wow, this is an interesting sequel. And then one day I was talking to someone, they were like, well, do you understand the themes of homosexuality under that? I'm like, what are you talking about? So then I found myself going back, re-watching it with a completely different eye and I couldn't believe how I didn't see the idea that that commentary, the filmmaker's commentary or the perception of homosexuality in the 80s. 
And that is exactly what draws me to horror. It's is more than just what's displayed on the screen. That there is something being said. And when you look past the fear factor, when you get past the gore, when you get past the guts, there is a conversation happening that is worth engaging in. So that is why I love horror. Amazing. So as women, you know, we wanted to kind of reach out and think, but why do women love horror? Because we know that we do, but why does everybody else love horror? There is this notion that only men perhaps can truly enjoy and appreciate horror, or that women don't get a thrill from watching violence. Barbara Creed wrote The Monstrous Feminine, and this is a really great quote that I thought was relatable to this. That idea is rubbish and rests on the notion that women, by nature, are not aggressive or violent, nor capable of identifying with heroines who are aggressive. Young girls have always enjoyed fairy stories of the Hans Christensen Anderson type, which are sometimes very violent, and the heroine is often a victim. They are a rite of passage for girls, about learning to confront one's inner fears, and horror films are modern versions of myths that speak to both sexes. I also think there's pleasure involved in confronting the taboo and abject. I don't see why only men shouldn't have this pleasure. Women love horror, and it's for many, many different reasons. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think I just want to interject something interesting too is both Kelly and I have experienced something both in the, the dating world as is, because we may be spinsters, but every once in a while we need to go out and meet someone. And for me, I've had an interesting experience where I talk to guys and I tell them that I'm into horror and a lot of the guys are actually not interested or a little scared by it. And so I think that's really interesting because in my research, majority of audiences are women who enjoy horror. And one of the things that Kelly and I did for this project is we reached out to people in our social uh, media circles and asked them like what do you like about horror why do you enjoy it and I got some comments from some friends you know Crystal who was saying the thrill of being startled that she enjoyed that Lacey going and talking about getting that little pop of adrenaline and not having to do anything potentially dangerous to get it so that fear factor that we get what about you Kelly yeah so I reached out to the horror fans that are women that I know so I got some great quotes and it just shows again how diverse it is. So Alexandra West, so she is the co-host of the podcast Faculty of Horror. She also has written two books now, Films of the New French Extremity, Visceral Horror and National Identity, and the newest one, the 1990s teen horror cycle, Final Girls and a New Hollywood Formula. So Alex said... It gives me the societal subversion I crave, and I'm pretty sure the genre is just part of my DNA now. Valeska Griffiths, uh, she is a writer at Anatomy of a Scream, the website, and also the editor and creator of Grimm Magazine. She said, There are a lot of things to love about horror. Its content and intensity offers catharsis, adrenaline racing excitement, and visceral escapism and it provides more female-focused narratives than other genres do. I also love the way that horror lends itself to socially conscious storytelling, either metaphorically or literally. You can tell she's a writer, had a hard time saying that for some reason. Um, my hairdresser, Tanya, she is a huge horror fan, and she said, horror makes me feel alive. I feel very connected and relate as I've had experiences with hauntings and the dead. I also love to see how real the special effects are and how they're utilized. The acting, the fear, and the fight for the life and death gets my adrenaline pumping along with the element of surprise. The horror genre is life and it brings me peace. My friend Mel, definitely a huge horror fan. A portion of her statement was, I find that it's often the only genre where women are heroes and I've never fancied myself a victim or related to the second grade female characters in other styles. 
my great friend Ali Chappelle, my Sin and Tonic co-host, she said, horror is my home. It's the only place I've felt accepted since I was a child. I tried to be the popular high school cheerleader, but I never fit in with them. And once I got heavy into horror, that was where I felt at home. Horror is my home. Jess Hersick, the amazingly talented artist that did our logo, is also a huge horror fan. And she said, I admire how horror can push boundaries and change your perceptions of reality. Folks, women love horror for many diverse, interesting, and valid reasons. Exactly. So when you meet someone or you meet a woman who does like horror, ask her why she likes it. Don't challenge her and don't grill her, but really just accept that. We, there are women out there who love horror and it is interesting and in this day and age, there is more of a narrative for women in horror as we will discuss in this podcast and upcoming podcast. To lead into that, we want to just have a little discussion in the history of women in horror. And so for myself, like I said, horror has its roots in storytelling and literature. I know when I was a child growing up, my introduction to horror was from telling ghost stories with my cousins in a dank basement pantry. Some of my most fondest memories from childhood were those days. People have been telling each other scary folk tales to teach their young a valuable lesson of life or just to give each other that adrenaline rush that fear produces. The written word has inspired many horror movies in the 20th century. Women have contributed significantly to this form of fear. Today I'm only going to address five important authors to the horror genre who have, been, who have impacted the genre both past and present. So, my first, we all know Mary Shelley. From 1797 to 1851, she published Frankenstein, a novel that still scares readers and has shaped the genre for over 200 years. We have Daphne du Muir, from 1907 to 1989. She wrote novels, inspired Alfred Hitchcock, from Jamaica Inn, Rebecca, and the Birds, and she has countless other stories that have been adapted to film and television. We have Shirley Jackson from 1916 to 1965. She was the primary breadwinner of her family and her novels that she was also known for writing was The Haunting of Hill House. And a lot of her writing discusses a lot about suffering from anxiety and depression and it really involves the unease some women feel of domestic life and the whole idea of the home. I'm gonna give us two more, more present ones. Octavia Butler from 1947 to 2006. She focused on horrors of the futuristic dystopias and alien planets. So adding that sci-fi element to horror, but also addressing racism in a fantastical way. Her novel, Fledging, was about, is about a young girl who discovers that she's a vampire. And new to the scene in 2017 with the novel, The Grip of It, it may not seem of anything special more than a haunted house tale, but with its prose, it is the way it's written, it is very captivating. So horror definitely started in books and then transitions into film beautifully. For the sake of saving the length of this episode, we're going to actually just focus primarily on films and we will go through some notable mentions for some female directors or writers, but also decade by decade mention films that have been important to showcasing women in horror. Early horror films were surreal, artful pieces and many draw inspiration from expressionist painters and the spirit photographers of the 1860s. Then they became gothic tales of the macabre. Apparently the term horror wasn't used to describe movies until the 1930s. However, in the beginning, it was all dudes. I love that, in the beginning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I will, yeah, like Jess said, I'll just go through a handful of notable movies or characters from the early 1900s up until the 1960s. In 1913, a movie called The Werewolf, it was written by Ruth Ann Baldwin, starring a woman. 
This is actually considered the very first werewolf movie ever filmed. Lost in a Fire in perhaps around 1924. Most people haven't seen it. In 1917, The Devil's Stone, written by a woman, Beatrice DeMille, and starred a woman. This was interesting to find out in my research. 1914 to 1930, Francis Grand Grignol, this is French, pardon my French, the the artistic director for this infamous stage production was Camille Choisy. In 1935, Bride of Frankenstein, the iconic appearance of Isla Lanchester as the bride, and also she played Mary Shelley. 1936, Dracula's Daughters showed a lesbian vampire named Countess Zaleska. In 1953, House of Wax, there is a large role by Phyllis Kirk. I mentioned this one because I recently watched this movie and I was just so excited to see how wonderful her performance was. She was a very strong woman. She was resourceful, very inquisitive. It's definitely worth a watch. 1960, we see Psycho. It's a prominent and iconic role from Janet Lee. It showed a quote unquote loose woman. She was unmarried, having sexual relations, and you've also see her lounging in a bra. For that time, highly abnormal and risque. 1960, The Wasp Woman starring a woman and perhaps a mirror of female desire and me male fear of aging women, perhaps? I definitely wanna see that one. 1961, Homicidal. A woman plays the part of both female and male. Her name is Joan Marshall. And this movie is showing the gender tropes of the 1960s. In 1963, The Birds, starring a woman, Tippi Hendry, iconic movie, based on the short story that Jess mentioned earlier from Daphne de Maurier. French again, pardon me. In 1963, The Brain That Wouldn't Die, a large role by a woman named Virginia Leaf. I recently read a book called A History of Horror by Wheeler... Winston Dixon, and they said, if any film ever testified to the sexism that pervaded horror films of the era, it was this movie, as the male protagonist sees women only as objects and appreciates them only for their physical beauty. In 1966, we saw Bloodbath, written and directed by Stephanie Rothman and Jack Hill. In 1968, we had Rosemary's Baby, starring Mia Farrow. It was, this is a snapshot of the female body and psyche under attack by society. This movie is essentially the epitome of gaslighting. There was definite sexism in early horror films as they were the products of the era. Women often had small roles or played wives, girlfriends, servants, etc. Rarely did they have lead roles or wrote and directed movies. Women were depicted often as inferior to men, weak and vulnerable, the damsel in distress archetype. They were often sexualized or seen only to fulfill a sexual desire in a man. Of course, there are always exceptions to the rule with notable films and characters, like I've mentioned. The late 60s and 70s is when things really started to change, possibly due to the rise of feminism and the sexual revolution. Women are having more diverse and interesting lives, and in films we saw stronger characters, lead roles, and the concept of the final girl with Halloween in 1978. And this is where we see the trend of the slasher genre continue into the 70s and 80s by introducing the concept of the final girl. And if anyone's ever read Carol Clover's Men, Women, and Chainsaw, that's are introduced to the idea of the final girl, but this is where we see the last woman standing. She's normally a virgin. She's avoided all the vices that have led all the, her other female compatriots astray and have become murdered. She is ultimately the survivor. And also, too, in the 70s and 80s, horror films focused around the fear of children and the process of childbirth, that the sexual revolution and the use of contraception with a fear of the byproducts, hence children. There are so many movies from the 70s and 80s, and I'm just gonna 
grab a handful and talk briefly about them just because if you could see our notes it's just list of list of all the all the, all the movies that both have been starred women been written by women directed by women or had an interesting had a theme that emphasized an element about being a woman the first one I'm going to mention is we all know 1976 Stephen King's Carrie that film was very influential very effective if you uh, read Barbara Creed's The Monstrous Feminine she has a whole chapter dedicated to the whole uh, everything about Carrie and what Carrie goes through it does this is particularly looks at the idea of when a young woman reaches womanhood by getting her cycle and what happens from that right and how women are being hard treated as either kind of monstrous because when you're now becoming a woman you now have certain powers that you have in 1977 my personal favorite Suspiria was released by with Dario Argento we have the lead actress Jessica Harper portraying Susie Bannon watching her performance is captivating along with the entire atmosphere of the film and of course we'll talk about this in later episodes the whole idea of the witch and the whole architecture of the witch because we see that whole film is obviously about witches in 1978 we have Halloween written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill and this is where we see the archetype of the final girl epitomized in Laurie Strude and the, the slasher film that pushed the subgenre into new directions in 1979 we have Alien with Sigourney Weaver demonstrating the power and skill to survive while combating an alien intruder. And then, boom, the 1980s hits. And we have a slew of female directors and a lot of some female-led horror films. And like I said, tons of women directing horror films. A couple of my favorites were in 1982, The Summer Party Massacre, um, Amy Holden Jones. And if you check out our website, you'll see that that was my pick of the month was the entire Slumber Party Massacre trilogy because it's very interesting when you watch the films and you think, wow, this is the typical, the typical Sasha trope of young women in their nightgowns running around from a killer, but it actually has some very powerful female themes to it. And then in 1982, we have The Entity, which is Barbara Hershey's character, begins to undergo brutal and sexual attacks from an invisible force that puts her life at risk. While this film is not empowering, it is representative of a never-ending nightmare for women who experience domestic and sexual abuse. In 1984, we are introduced to Nightmare on Elm Street with the introduction of Nancy Thompson, Heather Langkamp's character, the final girl who actually is steadfast and intelligent and surviving against Freddy. In 1987, we are also introduced to Hellraiser. Directed by Clive Barker, we see Christy and Julia, who represents the two dual sides of women. Christy representing the pure saint up against her stepmother, Julia, who represents what is profound and what is sinful in women. And then again in 1987, we have another vampire classic that I really enjoy, Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow. 1987 again, we also have Slumber Party Massacre 2, written and directed by Deborah Brock. And then in 1989, we have Pet Cemetery, was also directed by Mary Lambert and is actually a very well-known film in the horror genre that many people enjoy. The 80s? were amazing and it was a super fun and imaginative time. I really quite enjoy, of course, all those movies that Jess mentioned um, and there's so much more. There's so much more to even could even go to another podcast. <laughs> exactly. I love 80s films. I love the I love the 80s time for horror because you got the music, you got the clothes, and a lot of times the dialogue is so much fun. So as always the genre when I'm feeling down 
and I want to feel good, I'm going to turn on an 80s horror movie because that's something we always a good time. In comes the 1990s. By now, women are becoming more involved with the horror genre. Women in horror is becoming more common. They're having more directing roles and starting to tell refreshing and interesting stories. The 1990s was ripe with the concept of girl power and female empowerment in all genres. This is the era of thrillers as horror movies, serial killers, and the era that gave us Buffy, Clary Starling, and Sidney Prescott. A personal favorite of mine. In 1990, we have The Slumber Party Massacre Part 3, the ending of that trilogy, written by a woman, directed by a woman, directed by Sally Madison, written by Catherine Siren. 1991, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, directed and co-written by Rachel Talalay. 1991, Signs of the Lambs, the character of Clary Starling. In 1992, Pet Cemetery 2 came out, also directed by, again, Mary Lambert. In 1992, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was directed by Fran Ruvel Cusey. Sorry again on that pronunciation. Uh, definitely a favorite of mine. 1996, The Craft. The film, not written or directed by a woman, but very important to, um, I think, all of us women in the 90s. And definitely to Spencer 1, Spencer 2, Jess and I. Very important film. <laughs> <laughs> a film about teenage witches that is reflective of the intimate issues girls face, the toxic friendships, discrimination, isolation, emotionally manipulative boys, and the desire to feel powerful when you feel powerless. The importance of female friendship and the feeling of sisterhood. Also, perhaps, the fear of female power. In 1996, we got Scream and the characters Sidney Prescott and, some would say, Gail Weathers as a strong female character. Not in my movie, so good. In 1999, The Rage Carry 2 was directed by Kate Shea. 1999, Ravenous, directed by Antonia Bird. Fascinating. In 1999, uh, director Takashi Miike gave us Audition, showing that women will not be seen as sexual objects and put themselves aside for the desires of men. Brutal. You should watch it. This decade is definitely an absolute personal favorite of mine. It was a time when I was a goth teenager full of teen angst. <laughs> I have fond memories of The Craft, Scream, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mainly the TV show that was in 1997 that started then. I have envisioned myself as Nancy, Sydney, and Buffy many, many times. Yeah, so it's interesting because we had such a long conversation the other day about the 90s and then which led us into the 2000s, which I find is a bit of an awkward time for horror. I felt like there was a lot of trying to find its footing again after the 90s, but we do actually have some really great gems that came out of the 2000s and some of them are stronger themes that have been carried out into the 2010s. And so I'm just going to mention a couple here. We have in 2000, we have a Canadian favorite cult classic, Ginger Snaps. When the bond of two sisters fractures, when one of them is bitten by a werewolf, the whole theme of the film is we see the sister transforming into werewolf representative of the transformation into womanhood. In 2000, we have American Psycho, written by... Guinevere Turner and directed by Mary Heron and it's an interesting film to see how men perceive and treat women. 2002 we have the film May played by Angela Bettis is the lead actress and the film tackles the impact of loneliness on one's life and the extremes that someone will go to find companionship. Don't worry guys, I am not going to go to those extremes yet. In 2005, we have the film The Descent, a huge film for the horror genre because A, the cast is completely female and it's all about this female cast exploring how grief and friendships interact with one another in a very high stressful situation. 
And in 2007, we have the film Teeth, which I think is so interesting that I was scared to watch this film, but when I watched it, I freaking loved it. This whole film about a, a young girl having sex, but how men are afraid of her vagina and the whole idea of the vagina detenta. Fascinating, fascinating film. In 2009, we have The Countess, which is uh, Julia Delpy playing the Countess Bathory. And if anyone is aware or familiar with that folklore about the Countess who bathed in the blood of virgins to keep young. And then in 2009, we have Jennifer's Body, was directed by Karen Kusama. Really interesting film. I remember when I first heard it coming out, I'm like, mm, I don't think I'm going to watch it. Doesn't look very good. I watched it. I freaking love it. It's a great film. People should watch it. It has a lot to say about homosexuality, women, friendship. The 2000s definitely had some incredibly diverse additions to the horror genre. Ginger Snaps and Teeth are among some of my favorite female focused of the decade. Women can definitely tell brutal stories. And of course, so much of these stories are so relatable underneath it all. The 2010s. By now, women are involved in all aspects of filmmaking, special effects. They're producing, directing, writing, editing, etc. They're all over the place. It's amazing. They continue to show us new and interesting stories and characters. So in 2011, we got Your Next. I think the modernized final girl with Aaron. 2012, American Mary, written and directed by the twins, Jen and Sylvia Soska. 2013, the remake of The Evil Dead. Mia is goddamn badass. Mia alone must confront and kill the demon that has taken all of her friends' lives. Seamlessly transforms from victim to villain to victorious final girl right before our very eyes. The Reign of Blood? That ending's epic. 2014, The Babadook, written and directed by Australian Jennifer Kent, favorite of mine. In 2014, It Follows. This is a study in sexual politics and a criticism of female exploitation, which stars Micah Monroe, who is also in a movie I love called The Guest. She's Fantastic. 2014, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, written and directed by Anna Lily Amanpour. My review of this movie is on our website currently. 2015, The Invitation, another movie directed by Karen Kusama, who did Jennifer's Body in 2009. 2015, The Witch. The fucking witch. <laughs> Potential de declaration of feminine independence against oppression. It's about embracing one's sexuality and finding a sense of female empowerment. Also, perhaps witchcraft being a metaphor for female empowerment. 2016, we saw Prevenge written and the lead actor and director, Alice Lowe. 2016, Raw, written and directed by Julia, I'm sorry, Ducournau. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why do I have all the hard names to pronounce? In 2016, The Neon Demon, co-written by Mary Laws and Polly Stenham. 2016, The Love Witch, written, directed, and apparently she did a whole lot more in that movie by Anna Biller. 2016, Hush, starring a woman who is deaf and, is and a masked intruder tries to best her. The performance and her tenacity makes for great intensity. Definitely recommend that. It's on Netflix. Anthologies, there actually were a number of anthologies that women contributed to in the last, you know, 10 years or so, like the ABCs of Death, the ABCs of Death 2, Southbound, Holidays, the anthology movie XX or Double X, all written and directed by women. It is so fascinating, like just hearing you go through that list and just thinking like there are so many of those films on there that are my favorites and they're all done by women. And some of them like the most scariest and the ones that had the most profound impact on me. So it's just amazing how 
how women have become so involved and have always been so integral to the horror community and the horror genre in large part. I'm probably going to repeat myself, but it's incredible to witness how over the decades women have and continue to play an ever-increasing role in the horror genre. From writing, acting, producing, and directing, women have made significant contributions. Just reviewing this list of the past decades, women have been involved in some of the most influential horror films of the genre. Women have always had a way of telling stories that unsettle audiences in unexpected ways. From resurrection stories to coping with grief and depression, women have been able to push the boundaries and using horror as an allegory to take on societal pressures and impositions. And I'm going to give you this quote by director Julia Ducourneau. <laughs> And where she says, horror is the expression of violence that you feel inside you. And it's important we recognize that women feel violence and anger as well. While we still have a ways to go, the future of women in the horror genre looks promising more than ever. So that ends our quote unquote history of women in horror films from writing, directing, starring, etc. And now we'll talk a little bit about the representations of women in horror over time. I used to be an abortion clinic escort. This was a couple of years ago. And I became friends with a guy named Nick. While we were, you know, hanging out, hanging out at the abortion clinic, waiting to escort some ladies, I brought up the fact that I was a horror fan. And he explained his large distaste for horror films overall as he thought they were incredibly misogynistic. I disagreed. I have actually never thought that way about the genre ever. And I have been a fan of it in my entire life. I read this article recently regarding this exact idea. Why are horror movies singled out as being misogynistic, whereas there are other genres like action or comedies that, you know, perhaps also show women in a hypersexualized and graphic manner. Why does horror get singled out so regularly? Sure, I know and agree that there is definitely a good amount of violence against women in horror, but often just as many men are killed as women. Women are seen as women being killed, whereas men are seen as a person being killed. We, the viewers, are the ones providing this specific designation. When we are seeing gender or sex instead of as a person, it removes, quote from the article, it removes the person's ability to be anything more than that socially designated label. A woman is a person just as much as a man is. We know this. I definitely understand that women sometimes are shown via the camera in different ways as men, like, you know, for example, the male gaze lingering on their breasts or their ass. It's just things are a little bit more gratuitous at times. This is definitely prevalent in some subgenres of horror and in history. For sure. However, the fact remains the same. This perception of women being killed more brutally or more than men should be changed as it just is not that accurate. Does this mean that horror as like in itself is misogynistic or have we just labeled it that way for so very many years? We are seeing women as victims in horror with the final girls and other protagonists, but isn't this just an accurate example of the violence we see in our everyday lives? Maybe horror movies are validating our, our fears as real dangers, as we are frequently victims of male violence. I don't see the violence against women in horror any more graphic than what we read about in the news. Personally, I think horror is vastly misunderstood. And I agree with you, Kelly. I will have to admit that when I first started to watch horror, I may have fallen into that it is misogynistic camp. All we were getting was that nudity on the screen from the young women before they were hacked and slashed to pieces. But when I delved further into the genre and discovered the amount of women who were behind the scenes directing, writing, and producing these films, for example, The Summer Party Massacre, my perspective changed and my curiosity was piqued as why these films were being made and what they were 
were saying not only about the fantastical genre, but on our own society as a whole. As well, the slasher genre, as where Kelly mentioned, the final girl theory was introduced by Carol Clover in her 1992 book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. If you're a fan of analyzing horror and engaging in feminist conversations about it, you have heard extensively about this book. Clover argues that while it seems that the film's gaze is for the male spectators and ultimately her tormentor, that really it is about the female victim's perspective, who defeats her oppressor. We see over the genre's history, the final girl transformed from just screaming and following her survival instincts, and it seems to only happen only by luck or chance that she's the final girl, taking charge and owning her survival and by actively fighting back against her tormentor. Women are going from being screaming victims to screaming heroes in horror films these days. Now, I know I'm only touching upon the transformation of women in the slasher genre, as it seems the most dramatic, but female involvement has been increasing in all areas of the horror genre from the occult, rape revenge, psychological, and supernatural, just to name a few. Women are becoming the leads in new indie films and remakes of a lot of horror classics. The Bechdel test, sometimes called Mo Movie Measure or Bechdel Rule, is a simple test which names the following three criteria. One, it has to have at least two women in it who, two, who talk to each other about something besides a man. The test was popularized by Alison Bechdel's comic Dykes to Watch Out For in a 1985 strip called The Rule. A film will pass the Bechdel test if one, has more than one named female character, two, if they speak to each other, and three, if that communication is about something other than men. The horror genre scored about a 70% passing rate, second under music. Horror is portraying women as subjects as opposed to objects. I've read recently in an article about what Gina Davis has been up to, because I do that sometimes. Apparently, each year the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, yep, that's a thing that exists. I had no idea until recently. Publishes, so they publish research that shows how gender imbalances in film affect women and girls. They developed something called the GDIQ, Gina Davis Inclu Inclusion Quotient, which is facilitated by machine learning technology. The goal was to recognize patterns in gender, screen time, and speaking time that the casual movie viewer might overlook. The results of this study told a familiar story. In film, men are seen and heard twice as often as women. But there was one exception, fucking horror films. <laughs> and this is a fascinating study and I love when I stumbled upon in my own research that it shows that the horror genre has always had a substantial female fan base as early as the 1930s and 40s that women have always been attracted to the horror genre from the written word to film over the years, women have been making more and more of the movie audience. And for example, take The Conjuring when it was first released in 2013, the audience was composed of 53% women the Purge, 56% women. The indie film Mama, 61% women. You have to ask yourself, why is that? Well, I will tell you from my own opinion, in 2017, we were seeing more and more female protagonists in what, in what genre? Horror. And they weren't just final girls. They were being seen as both heroes and monsters. Horror was moving beyond the gender stereotype for women to play in roles and addressing some important societal and gender issues. In the horror genre, as early as the 1970s, we were seeing issues of femininity, female sexuality, and the taboo of the female body still largely unspoken about in our patriarchal culture. What I've come to love about the horror genre is summed up in the quote from the Guardian article in 2016, which was about Carrie at 40 and why the horror genre remains important to women. Horror shows a world of real equality, where money can't save you, privilege can't save you, 
Strength cannot save you. I think it's important to critically evaluate all genres of film, definitely, most definitely, keep doing it. But also to remember misogyny runs through all of it. We know we still live in a male-dominated world, but I think giving horror the title of perhaps the most misogynistic genre is quite unfair and short-sighted. It has definitely been problematic, for sure, no doubt about it. But horror, as we have discussed, is actually an incredibly progressive genre, showing a full range of female characters and stories. I really love this quote, again by Barbara Creed from uh, She Wrote the Monstrous Feminine. There will always be horror films that present negative, nasty images of women as long as we live in a misogynistic world. Horror reflects society. What we probably need are more thoughtful horror films that speak directly to female experiences. There are plenty of bad taste, poorly made misogynistic films around, horror films around, as with all genres. In the current climate of horror, thankfully, the genre has moved away from certain standard tropes, running, screaming women, women as victims only, and showing them more as survivors and those who are in charge of their own destiny and story. We're seeing films that are more nuanced, substantial, and I can thoroughly appreciate the change in scenery. When it comes down to it, uh, I really think horror provides women with much more relatable characters than in any other genre out there, perhaps rivaled likely by sci-fi. Sci-fi is also a pretty progressive genre that shows a lot of very powerful, strong, awesome female characters. Exactly. When I scroll through my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram feeds, it is so refreshing to see more and more women becoming involved in the horror genre, not just as fans, but as directors, producers, editors, writers, and leading the charge in practical effects, makeup, costuming, sound, and lighting, and like everything. And it is increasing every year as women continue to push for equality and taking opportunities to have their voices heard. The horror genre, as Kelly has mentioned, is a progressive in being a medium in which women can tell their unique stories in a hyper-fantastical way. Take the film The Babadook. It is a perfect example of this. I was extremely impacted by this movie and its metaphor. The viewer watches a mother struggling against a monster that we are unsure is real or just a manifestation of her grief and depression and resentment towards her son. But this film is a clear example of the stories that women can tell and how pain transforms us and how we can all be plagued by inner demons. It started with women in the Victorian age writing horror stories influenced by the actual real-life horrors that women were facing at that time. Even today, we women still experience Experienced drastic and at times traumatic life events. In the last couple of years, we have seen more and more films in the genre come out addressing these shared experiences among women. Just as women were once the victims, they are not only becoming the survivors, but they are also becoming the monsters as well. And just as Kelly has already quoted from Barbara Creed, her book, The Monstrous Feminine, is a fascinating read addressing that very transformation of women in horror. And that is the end of our very first podcast episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We have a website. It's www.spinstersofhorror.com. You can also follow us on Facebook. Just search for Spinsters of Horror and Twitter at Horror Spinsters. We're also proactive on Instagram at Spinsters of Horror. And you can also email us at horrorspinsters at gmail.com. We want to thank Dance with the Dead for our music that you heard at the beginning of this, Roe Beast. And we are very excited for this, the end of this episode, but looking forward to doing our next episode, which will be released in August because we are a monthly podcast. And what are we going to be talking about, Kelly? We're going to be talking about horror in the 90s. Oh, my favorite, absolute favorite. So I'm su- we're both super excited. I'm incredibly excited about this. 
Exactly. So keep your ears listening to that because not only do we have our podcast, but we also have throughout the month, we'll have reviews and blog postings and fun little things happening during the month of August as we celebrate horror of the 90s and the whole age of empowerment of women in horror of the 90s. So yeah, we look forward to sharing that next up with you with you guys. And thank you for listening to our first one. Thank you very much for listening. We're excited to share our project with you. And just remember, the future of fear is female.